So good to be with you. It's so good to be able to, to talk uh, into the mental health series. I think it's been a, for me, it's been a really helpful series, actually digging into some things um, of, do you know, what, what, where, where is my mind? Where am I thinking? What am I doing? I've had to grapple with some things this week and think about doubt and am I doubting here? Am I doubting there? You know, just be able to, to land on what I'm going to talk about today. So I hope you're ready. <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting that I'm talking on doubts on the eve of, uh, oh, no, on the day that England football team are going to um, start the Euros. Anyone who's an England football team fan knows full well what doubt is. I've been educating my children this week, YouTube on the TV. Uh, my daughter's favourite song is the 2002 uh, song, We're on the Ball. Who knows who sang that? Come on, Ant and Deck. She got so excited when she saw Ant and Deck singing a football song. Um, but I, but I, my favourite one is Football's Coming Home. Yeah. Uh, anyone know how many years of hurt it's been now? Too long. 55. 55 years of hurt. Sorry to speak doubt in. Yeah. So what I want to be... <laughs> I'm trying to avoid hype. If you avoid hype, then we might do that now. Um, but on a more serious note, we, we all deal with doubt. Everyone deals with doubt. You know, on some level, everyone has some doubts. And as people of faith who, who our lives are circumnavigated, are put around a faith, and at our very core is a faith, then actually when doubts are coming in and doubts are coming at us, it can really throw us off kilter. It can really like knock us to the side and you know if you think of yourself as a ship and you, a big wave of doubt comes in, you know, it knocks the core off and it can off balance you. I want to say that everyone suffers with doubt. Everyone has to deal with it. What we do with doubt is the important thing. How you respond to doubt is the important thing. And I, I just want to encourage you, this is going to be quite a simple sermon, but my encouragement today is grab onto faith. In moments of doubt, grab onto faith. The temptation when you have doubt is to withdraw. The temptation when you have doubt is not to push in, but to withdraw. It is to put yourself into reverse. It's to stop coming to church. It's to stop engaging with other people. It's to, to ignore the topic or to... Um, or, or to reverse. Well, that's my, my place anyway. You know, when doubts come at me, I, I often want to reverse from the subject rather than push into the subject. I want to let go of the steering wheel. But who, who's a driver in here? If you let go of the steering wheel of your car, it's not good. You swerve. And you'll swerve in all kinds of directions. I was interested to read that at the end of every one of the Gospels, there is a record of people doubting. So in, uh, in Matthew and Mark, it's in the, um, they have the resurrected Jesus with them. <laughs> he, he, he's with them in the room. He's resurrected. Matthew says this, they all worship Jesus, but some of them doubted. You have the resurrected Jesus eating you're able to touch him, you're able to hear him, you're able to, to be with him, and yet you're still having some doubt. Why are you doubting in that moment? What is the doubt in that situation? In Luke, it records the same. They were having conversations about Jesus. And then Jesus was in their midst, 
And he said, peace to you. They were startled and frightened. They thought they'd seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus, many times through scripture, said this, I am going to die. I am going to raise again in the third day. And, I will, and, and that's what I'm here to do, <laughs> to defeat death. He said it again and again. It's recorded throughout the Gospels. And yet when it happened, doubt arose. The other two accounts of the Gospels record that people doubted the testimony of other people. So they were in doubt that someone told them, oh, do you know what? Jesus is risen. And they went, no, no, don't think so. They doubted. There was doubt recorded in all four of the Gospels when Jesus was resurrected. That gives me some comfort for my own position, you know, when I have doubts. I don't remember the last time I doubted the existence of God, but I do remember that the times that I doubt the ability of God to use me or bless me or work through me. I, I know these things, you know, that's where I tend to doubt or the doubt the character of God, his faithfulness and his goodness and his love towards me. And when I'm in those moments, I need to find ways to grab on to the steering wheel of faith, grab on to my faith so that I don't veer off course. Doubt can be rooted in so many different things. And I've got a list here, but I don't think it's exhaustive. I've been trying to think what causes me to doubt. Maybe it's the big bang in the, there that makes me think the building's going to fall down. But doubt can be rooted in many things. So it can be rooted in disappointment. So if you're praying for things and you're wanting things to happen and you're not seeing it happen, then it can lead to disappointment, which leads to doubt. Disappointment can lead into disillusionment. You know, if you've been doing it a long time, praying a long time for the same things. You know, I see it in your word, God. I'm not seeing it in my life. Then you get disillusioned and doubt comes in. Something else that does is personal suffering. So if you're in pain or suffering or you're ill or unwell, or even worldwide suffering, you look at countries where, where there's great famine and you're like, how can there be a God? <laughs> you know, how can God be working in this place? How can you say he's like this? And yet that is happening. Another thing is unbelief or scepticism or other people's doubts around us. Whether that be family or friends, whether it be people who are really close to us, or whether it be just generally around. And I want to give a quick example. I was, uh, I was doing some really good research for this. I was Googling <laughs> something in a field yesterday. I had read something else, but, but what dates the Gospels were written. And I just Googled it quickly because I'd read it, but I, wasn't, I didn't have my, my, my other things. And I, and I got to Wikipedia. What dates were the Gospels written? And if you read the page on Wikipedia, you will know that actually their aim is to make you disbelieve the Gospels. Their aim in the whole writing, and they, they quote all these PhD people, they quote all these people who, who their intention is to lead you away from the truth. And you just have to know that actually that there is skepticism around. We have a, a, a culture where we're, where we're moving away from God rather than moving towards God. And you have to be aware actually when you're reading, even from PhD people, doctors, or it's doctors, isn't it, that PhDs, you know, because actually I was, I'm reading a Don Carson book at the moment all about John, like the depths of John. It's a really thick book and I'm loving delving into it. But he's just actually said the opposite of what this Wikipedia page has said. 
It's actually like, who are you following? Who are you going after? Some people will choose to lead you into doubt, <laughs> lead you away from God rather than into faith. Know that the society around us at the moment is wanting to do that, is moving more that way. Another thing that can cause it is emotional tiredness. When you're emotionally tired, doubt comes in. When you're, when you're exhausted from all the things of life and things going on, uncertainty can create doubt. Who's had any uncertainty over the last year and a half? Anyone? Anyone out there? But the ups and downs of life and the not even being able to plan, okay, what am I going to do in two weeks' time? It creates doubt. Or it can create doubt. Another thing is sin. If you're living in sin and choosing to live in sin and remaining in sin and choosing not to change, doubt will flow at you. Flow right at you. The devil can create doubt. Paul says the fiery arts of the enemy come flying at us, creating doubt in us. There is many roots to, to being in doubt. The good news is that in the Gospels, Jesus never wants to leave you in a place where you're doubting. Jesus always meets and joins you and journeys you through from doubt to, disappoint, uh, from doubt to faith. My encouragement today is that you dig in to your faith. You dig deep and you persevere in your faith. It is so important in these moments that we dig in, that we dig deep and that we persevere. My mother-in-law texted me this morning to say um, that she was praying for me and she said this, this is the best line that I've uh, heard, it's doubt your doubts before you doubt your beliefs. <laughs> I just thought that's really helpful actually. Doubts will come at you. Doubt your doubts before you doubt your beliefs. That's really, really helpful. And I think that's something the enemy does, is it puts doubts in your mind. You know, he puts doubts in your mind. And actually what you have to do is you have to recognise it as a doubt and then come against it with, okay, well, well what is the truth in that? I want to tell you a few really practical ways that I, you know, when I'm in a moment of doubt, what I do to help me journey through it, to journey out of the other end. And there's just three of them. The first one is this, Christian community. I talked about the, um, uh, the Gospels all having bits towards the end during the resurrection. One of them is Doubting Thomas. I think it's really unfair that Doubting Thomas is called Doubting Thomas or forever known as Doubting Thomas. He had one moment. <laughs> One moment, poor Thomas. Yet throughout all history, he's known as Doubting Thomas. You can imagine it during the time he was here. Doubting Thomas doubted. But do you know what he did? He stayed in community. Doubting Thomas wasn't there when Jesus presented himself to the other disciples to begin with. And what he said was, actually, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is risen unless I put my hands in his, in his scars in his side and in his hole, hole in his hands. I'm not going to do it. I can't believe. But then it says eight days later when the disciples were together, that's John 20, 24, eight days later, Thomas didn't just say, you know, I don't believe you. I'm out. I'm out. I'm off. He stuck in community. He hung around with the people. And I can just imagine them, you know, trying to tell him the testimony, you know, like, Listen to this testimony. Listen, I have seen the resurrected. He ate fish with me. He ate bread. 
He spoke, it was Jesus, he was here in our midst, and you can imagine the community. But what I love is the fact that Thomas was safe in that community. He was safe to say, oh, actually, no, I don't believe. And yet he was still welcome in that community. That's a challenge to all of us. A challenge to all of us when someone is doubting. Are we helping to create an environment where people are allowed to doubt and not just tarnish? We don't want people to conform. We want people to be transformed. Are we allowing people to be those people? Are we creating an environment where it's okay to say, actually, I'm doubting this and and that? Stay in Christian community. Talk about your doubts with each other and be encouraging to the other people. Talk to other people and be encouraged and lifted up and grown in Jesus in Christian community. Don't do life alone. Don't just walk around and, uh, uh, because you get lost in your own doubts. The second thing that I would like to say is creation. This is what Romans 1, 19 to 20 says. It says, they know, this is talking about us humans, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his external power, his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Creation. When I'm in a a place of doubt or just tiredness or just, I need to get into creation. I need to get into God's creation. And I need to marvel at it and I just need to rest in it and look at it and think, Wow, I'm going to give you some examples. Yesterday I was in a field and I was just looking at some wheat that was growing. And I was thinking, that was a seed, like this big probably. And now it's this kind of big plant which I can then take off and make food out of. How does that happen? Like how does that miracle of growth happen? I'm not very clever, some scientists might have the answers for that, but even if you have the answers, it's still a miracle of life, you know? Something tiny growing into life. I was watering the garden with Naomi the other day and she was watering the, the, the um, strawberries that we've got glo- growing. She was putting the water onto the strawberry on the plant. I was like, no, 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 you've got to put the water into the roots so that the roots can drink it and the sustenance comes up and then the sustenance comes up through the leaf and then some sunlight things happen and then fruit grows because of the goodness in the soil, in the water. I'm like, how does that happen? But it just makes you marvel at God's creativity and the way that he's made things work. And you know, you look at nature. When I was sat in the field, a, a, a woodpecker came and stood next to, sat next to me on a tree and it had a, a red thing. It was black and white on its chest. And I was just like, beautiful. And then a red kite was hovering over and I'm just like, beautiful. And it just makes you think, wow, how could there not be a creator? How could there not be a maker of these things, this beauty and marvellousness? How can there not be? I was stood outside talking to someone at Food Bank on Tuesday, and he, he said, I used to have a faith, but I've gone away. I was just saying, have you looked at creation recently? <laughs> have you looked at the sky and the moon? And it, do you know, he started preaching to me. He said, you know what? Every time I think about the human body, 
and the way that eyes work and the way that they, you know, if they were just off kilter, the balance wouldn't work in our body. Or, or you know, you, you look into the eye and you see someone's, the depth of them and you think actually they're alive and how, how are they alive and what's life and how did life come to be within them? And then they were just talking about the, the grandeur and the power that is in creation as well and the, the waves and the volcanoes that are all around and the, the power that you see and it's like, how could this just be? <laughs> How could this just be? Creation makes it obvious that there is a God. Creation, spending time in creation, looking at the sun this weekend, the power of it coming down, the brightness and the joy of it shining on your body, the joy of creation. But you have to purposefully choose to get into the place of looking at creation, of noticing creation. But as you do, you will start to see the goodness of God. Your doubts will dissipate as you start to be amazed and in awe of his creation, of the things that he has done, the things that he continues to do. The third thing that I have is, so I've had, uh, stay in Christian community when you have doubts, be open and honest, get into creation, look at creation, enjoy it, meditate on God and his creation. And my third thing that I do is, I always go back to looking at Jesus. Always go back to looking at Jesus. So if I know that I'm going through times of just a bit of struggle with, with certain doubts, I, I, I always just go back to a gospel and I read a gospel. I'm just like, I'm just gonna read through the gospels because, my friends, Jesus is alive. I just wanna say that Jesus is the living God, the creator God. And as you, as you look into his gospel, it says it's a living word and he'll speak to you through the word. And as you look at the life of Jesus, you're reminded of something. This is what Matthew 16 says. So Matthew 16 is Jesus when he's with his disciples and he says to his disciples, who do people say I am? And the disciples say, well, some people say Elijah, some people say John the Baptist, others say Jeremiah, others say the prophets. And then Jesus says, but, but who do you say I am? And Peter replies, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Every time I look at the life of Jesus, I'm reminded that there was a time in history, a real time in history, when God, God of all the world, became flesh and lived amongst us. It's not an airy-fairy thing, it's a factual thing. It's a truth thing. Jesus lived on this earth. Jesus lived here, he became carnate and dwelt with his people. There was a real time in history when a baby was born to a virgin and lived on this earth and it was God. <laughs> a real time in history. It's not like your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. No, <laughs> no. It's not about feelings, emotions. It's not about all of that. It's about truth and fact in history. Jesus walked this earth. Jesus lived on this earth. He was alive on this earth. He was here. Ultimate truth is found in that Jesus. Ultimate truth. The facts far outweigh the doubts in that. 
It's so easy in this culture to, to just kind of be uh, about feelings and emotions, whereas actually in, in 1 John it says actually your hearts will sometimes condemn you. But when your hearts condemn you, know that I am greater than your hearts. That God is greater than your hearts and there is not condemnation there. Ultimate truth is found in Jesus. But it's more than just ultimate truth. As I said, he's a living, active God. As you read through scripture, you, you will have this revelatory experience as God talks to you. And, and as you read the stories of Jesus and you think, wow, can you imagine just being there as he told the wind and the waves to stop? I think of the wind and waves as quite powerful. Yet Jesus just said, stop, be still. And it was flat as a pancake. Wouldn't it have been amazing if you, you were there when you had what, seven loaves and two fish and 5,000 people and Jesus said, all right, let's feed them. And he just broke bread and broke what, you know, fish and handed it out. And, and you get to be part of that game. Jesus you know, gave you some and said, okay, go and give that out. And as you broke a bit off, it probably grew a bit more. And they was like, what's going on? God, this is so weird. It's like, wouldn't it be amazing? But Jesus encounters you in that place. And he will, he will reveal himself to you as you dig into who he is. He reveals himself faithfully to you. He reveals his love and his kindness. Just think about this. So I said at the beginning, one of the things that I struggle with sometimes is knowing the love of God for me. If he came down to earth, to walk this earth, to die in my place so that I could be free, how can I ever doubt his love for me? How could I ever doubt that? How could I ever live in a place of doubt if God loved me so much that he would live as me, uh, not as me, uh, as a human on the earth? That he would die, that he would come here, that he would care so much that he would come here. I think it's amazing that, that actually Jesus didn't just turn up out of the blue, but actually there's, there's years and years of prophecy beforehand, all the way back to Genesis 3.15, where it talks about how the, there will be one that will be born that will uh, strike, the, the serpent will strike your heel, but the heel of this one will crush the head of the serpent. So as soon as mankind fell, prophetic words started coming that Jesus was going to come <laughs> from the very beginning of time. And then in Isaiah, all the way through Isaiah, Isaiah 7, Emmanuel, God, will be with you. He will be born as a baby. Isaiah 9, you know, he will be born a son. He will come and he will rule and he will reign and he will... Isaiah 53, his stripes are there for your healing. He will suffer for your sake. He will die in your place. And then all the way through scripture, there's prophetic words that Jesus is going to come. How incredible is Jesus? And then you, you get to this place of worship. <laughs> you get to this place of worshipping Jesus because he's so good, <laughs> because he's so kind, because he's so faithful, because he's so loving, because he lived and breathed and, and was in this place. And it just takes you to a place of worship rather than doubt. It travels you out of doubt into a place of faith and worship. Because then you come afresh with the promises that are in Scripture and you can hold on to these promises afresh. We're going into a new season at Trinity where we're going to see many people come to know Jesus, as his word says, go into all the world. 
declare my kingdom and make disciples that make disciples. But I'm believing that we're going to see that. But you know, if we, if we stay in doubt, it's going to be harder to move into that. It takes real faith to step into some of these promises that God has. So let me encourage you, spend some time in creation. Spend some time in Christian community. And get to know Jesus afresh. Spend time in the Gospels. He will, you know, he will provoke you. <laughs> he will challenge you. He, he will speak in. He is faithful and living and active in this place. It says that his Holy Spirit will lead you on to all truth. In that passage I read before, you know, if you know that Jesus is the Messiah, you know, if your answer is Jesus is the Messiah, you can know that a miracle has been done in your life. <laughs> because it's not just a natural human thing for you to believe that. It says the Father has revealed that to you. If you can sit there and say, actually, no, Jesus is the Messiah. I know Jesus is the Messiah. No matter what my doubts are, Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one who would come then you can hold on to that faith. God has done a miracle in your life. The Father is at work in your life. The Father is at work in your life. The Father is at work in your life. Just as I come into land, I just want to encourage you and bring you... There's a story in scripture where uh, the disciples are trying to pray for an evil spirit to come out of a boy, and I think it's uh, Mark 9, and it just... The father, Jesus, the father says, if you are able to, to save my son, to, to heal my son, to get the demon out of my son. And Jesus says, if I am able, <laughs> if I am able. And the man says, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. I just want to encourage you to be those people who go to Jesus and say, I do believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. Yeah. And I'm just going to land by praying, praying for each one of us. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to be in this place. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come and he promised that the Holy Spirit would lead you into all truth. So I just say, come Holy Spirit. 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 Father, I thank you that you've called us. I thank you that we are called by you, Father God. I thank you that you've revealed your son Jesus to us, Lord. I thank you that you're, you have sent your Holy Spirit amongst us. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, you help to journey us through some of the doubts that we have, Lord God. I thank you that you're not a God that leaves us, but you're a God that comes close. I thank you that you're a God that wants wholeness in our lives, Lord Jesus. So I pray now, Lord God, I just want to pray for everyone in this room, Lord Jesus. And we just lift up our eyes to you afresh, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we, we know that you know that we can be broken, Lord Jesus, and yet your arms are wide open for us, Lord Jesus. 
arms wide open to welcome us in, Lord Jesus. I thank you that each and every person in this room and listening in, Lord Jesus, will, will, can know that you welcome us in, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would minister to your people right now, Lord Jesus, in your gentleness, in your kindness, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would catch us, Lord Jesus, and show us any doubts that we have ongoing in our mind, Lord. I pray that you would reveal them to us, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would bring them up, Lord Jesus. God, I just pray now, Lord God, and just we give them to you, Lord. We give those doubts to you, Lord Jesus. And we say, please transform them, Lord. Please transform them, Lord Jesus. Please help us to journey through these, Lord Jesus, to bring your kingdom in, Lord. Jesus, we are believing, Lord Jesus, for greater things on this earth, Lord Jesus. We are believing, Lord Jesus, that you are here Lord Jesus, amongst your people to seek and to save the lost around us, Lord Jesus. We believe, Lord Jesus, that you've called us to great things, Lord Jesus, to see your kingdom come in greater measure, to see your kingdom expand on the earth, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we stand and believe that to be true, Lord Jesus. And we just declare now, Lord Jesus, here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord Jesus. Here we are, Lord. Fill us up and send us out, Lord Jesus. Fill us up and send us out, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.